Please join. You are now listening to an audio broadcast from First International Christian Fellowship. Get plugged in by visiting our website, ficfreno.com. Father, we thank you for bringing all your people here tonight, Lord God. Father, thank you for keeping most of us healthy. Thank you for the blessing, Lord, to be able to praise and worship you and to gather, Lord God, and to celebrate your goodness and your faithfulness for us in our families. Father, tonight, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to once again speak to all your people here this evening. Father, I pray that you speak through me, override my preparations, Lord God, and give me the wisdom, Lord, to know what to say, what not to say. Don't let me say anything that's not true. Lord, I pray for uh, enlightenment for those who are seeking you. I pray, Lord God, that the questions of those people be answered, Lord, if they have questions. I pray that they find answers tonight, Lord, and I pray, Lord God, that they will be encouraged to walk with you closely and intimately. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so we do have a lot of people sick, so please, again, uh, keep them in your prayers. <laughs> All right. Our, we're, we are starting our journey in the Second Corinthians. So we did First Corinthians months ago. Now we're getting into this one. So hopefully, if you have your Bibles, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. As uh, Brother Vince and. Or the Noemel will hand you one. Who needs a Bible? There's one there. If you have the Bible memorized, you can put your hands down. <laughs> Bibles. Please turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be going through verse 1 through 11. I titled our message tonight, By the Will of God. There's one there, uh, Daniel and Luis needs, and Natasha. Second Corinthians is after First Corinthians. <laughs> the most clue, that's it, I'm not giving any more. By the will of God. This letter was written by Paul before he visited the Corinthian church again. He had to write this letter. And the premise is there's been some false prophets that has penetrated the church. That has been, the, they're telling people that Paul is not an apostle of God. They're disqualifying him. <laughs> so if you can see there, our first verse will be, oh, no. All right. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul usually opens his letters this way. This is how they usually open letters. The, the author, the people he's going to be speaking to, and then he tells them about the grace of God. But we want to focus. This is even more... This is more personal. This Second Corinthians I've read is more personal and intimate in nature. In it, he bared, Paul bared his soul and his professed and professed his abiding love for the Corinthian church, despite the apparent fickleness of their affection towards him. What concerned Paul preeminently was the presence of false teachers 
claiming to be apostles who had entered the church. They promoted their own ideas and at the same time sought to discredit both the person and the message of the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians was written to defend the authenticity of both his apostleship and his message. This was not carried out in a self-protecting spirit, but because Paul knew that the acceptance of his ministry and message were intimately bound with the Corinthian church's own spiritual well-being. Because before, you have to write letters when people are slandering you. Now it happens on Facebook, right? And you can automatically comment back if they're trying to slam you because there's a lot of keyboard warriors there, keyboard gangsters, right? They're, They're so mad at you, they'll just post it there and you can get it back. But before, Paul had to actually write letters. There was no cell phones to communicate with these people who were attacking him. So he had to write a letter, then he had to go face to face. So he had to come visit them because he needed to defend his apostleship, his message, and to help the Corinthian church from their walk because this, these false teachers were teaching him different doctrines from what he taught them four years before this letter when he founded it. So this is the, the need why Second Corinthians came about. But I read in some uh, uh, commentaries that this is actually the fourth letter. But there were only two letters that actually made the, the, the Bible. So these are the first and second Corinthians are the two Bible, the two letters that God wanted us to read. The other two he didn't want us to bother with. Okay? So, but for us, should we just take this out? Is it more of a bother than should, should we? You know, as Christians, we try and try until we get it, right? I'm going to try this again next week. No, <laughs> probably not, but we'll try. So Paul, here, when he opens his letters, his epistles, he usually says, the apostle of Christ Jesus. But now, in this letter, he stresses this out. He makes a point here alone, because the false teachers were telling him, were discrediting him, Right? So here he says, by the will of God. Because who chose Paul? Who chose Paul? God chose Paul, right? Did you forget? Here in Acts, in Acts, Jesus, right, says here, but the Lord said to him, speaking to Ananias, go for this man, speaking of Paul, is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. It's Jesus who chose Paul. So Paul was trying to make sure he communicates this once again to the Corinthian church. And this is why Paul was 100% on his service with God because he knew it was the Lord Jesus that chose him to do what he was doing. Amen? Now the question is, how about you? How about us? The 21st century believers... Are you convinced enough that God chose you? If you're not, it says here, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus speaking in John. In Jeremiah, God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, sanctified. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Every believer has a message within us, correct? If you don't know that, the message is the message of grace. You have the message, you have the gift of grace that can save someone like it did you from the fires of hell. We all have a message that we carry. We carry that message of Christ. And that message, you weren't blessed with that for you to keep it on your own. Galatians 1.15, But when God who set me apart, Paul again speaking, from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. It was God who, no one comes near me except when the Father draws him to me. That's what Jesus said. 
It was God who drew us to be in a relationship with Him. So He chose us, right? So as, as Paul was chosen to be an instrument for the Gentiles, us too were chosen. And going back here to the church of God in Corinth. Whose church was the Corinthian church? God's church. The same with this church. This church is no one else's church except God alone. Amen? So if anybody claims that this is their church, they're wrong. Don't listen to them. This is God's church. God is who we listen to here. We just manage, we function because we're part of the body, but the head is God. Amen? And it says your grace and peace, when grace is given, follows it's followed always with peace. When you finally get God's grace and you know that you are forgiven from all your sins, from your sins from the past, your sins now, your sins in the future, peace follows that grace. That's why it says grace and peace to you from our God, from God our Father. The next thing I want to tackle there is our Father. I mean, God the Father is, you only become His if you accept Jesus, His Son, as your Lord. That is the only time you can actually call Him God the Father. Because we are then adopted by, because of what Jesus did, adopted as sons or, or daughters because of what Jesus did. So these, this entry right here, there's a lot of that in there. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you're just going through it and you're done, right? But there's a lot of nuggets. That's why when we do journeys, when we do series here, when we go verse by verse, we try to get all the nuggets that we can through the Word of God and see how we can apply it now. So now if you call God the Father, do you know that He is the God of comfort? Praise to God of all comfort. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So when you're hurting, when you're sick, when you're heartbroken, God has, is, is compassionate towards that feeling. He's not apathetic. He feels with us. He knows the, the number of our tears that we shed. He knows it. Just like when Jesus went to Mary and Martha when Lazarus died, right? Jesus did not go there and just say, don't worry, no problem with him, I'm here now. He takes his shirt off and he has an S on his chest, right? Like Superman. No, he didn't do that. What did he do? He wept. Jesus wept. The shortest verse that you can memorize. Jesus wept. God is compassionate towards whatever it is that you're going through whatever struggles that you're going through, whatever heartbreaks that you're going through, God feels with you. And He is the source of comfort. He comforts us. He comforts us. And the, the Greek word for comfort here, I had it. Paraklesis. What is it? Paraklesis? What is it? It's my, it's, it's my show, right? So I'm on my own. <laughs> so it means paraklesis. It, he, Paul used that Greek word for comfort ten times in this, in this small section. Again, in verse seven, 6 and 7, you'll see it. It is far more than a passing relief or sympathy. It pictures one who stands beside us in the midst of struggle. To encourage and support. The same root is used of the Holy Spirit, our heavenly comforter, the divine paraclete. Paul's word affirms in this verse, in this passage, God, who is the Father of Jesus Christ, will comfort us in the midst of adversity. Second, this comfort will serve us in a powerful way. When God uses us to comfort others. Because it says there, Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. All our troubles. So that there's a purpose 
The purpose is we can comfort those in any trouble with comfort we ourselves receive from God. Because you cannot give what you don't have. Amen? Amen? If I ask you for money and you don't have any money, can you give me money? No, you can't. I don't want your credit. <laughs> I have a lot of that, <laughs> a lot of debt. I mean, if I ask you for something and you don't have it, you can't give it. But the things that you've received from God, you can give it. You're supposed to give it back to others. The comfort that you've received from the trials that you went through, the trouble that you were in and God saw you through, and you knew it was God who saw you through. And then you know of a person here at church that's going through the same thing. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to that brother or sister and encourage them and tell them what, how God saw you through during that trouble. When you were sick, when you were at the hospital, did you feel good when people visited you? I was told, I've been told by Jonas, whenever I come visit him, he gets encouraged. Just that simple visit, simple prayer. That 30 minutes, an hour with him. He says, I'm, I get encouraged when I see you guys. I get strengthened when I see you guys. I look forward to seeing you. That's what he says. So I'm expecting when Jonas gets better, he's going to be doing the same thing. Amen? Now the question is, how about you? When you were visited, how many people now have you visited that's been sick? We're a church body. We're a church family here. Amen? We're not trying to build a big building and just people full of, you know, a building full of strangers. What we're doing is building relationships with each other in order for us to help each other grow in our relationship with God. Amen? And that during that process, during troubles and trials, we'll be there for each other. That's what we're trying to do. An extension, actually a better version of your family. That's what we're trying to do. That's the goal of this church. And eventually, as we grow here and help each other here, we'll grow out. Because we can't help ourselves but to go out and be a blessing to others. But the question is, are you just receiving blessings here and keeping it to yourselves? If there is any life-changing messages that you've heard here all these years that you've been coming here, have you actually... Give, gave it to someone else? Have you actually lived that message out? Or are you just looking forward for the next Sunday again, to get fed again? And be a 500-pound Christian but cannot move? Are you just wanting to devour everything you can and just stay and be a stagnant water? A person who doesn't move Gets, is unhealthy, right? A water that doesn't flow is not healthy water. So Christians, believers here in this church, whatever trouble that you were in and you receive encouragement from that or you learned your lesson from that, from God, you're supposed to look for someone else who's going through that trouble too and give that blessing towards others. The blessing was just, being a believer is just not for blessings. It's just, just not for healing. Christian life is full of trouble, as you see. Paul went through a lot of trouble, more than many, many of us maybe that's, face, that's reading his, his epistles. Christianity is not a bed of roses, right? But most of, most of us, we just focus on the blessings. We just want God's blessings. We want God's protection. We want God's healing. We want God's provision. And that's it. That's all we want. We go through trouble. We ask for prayer. We get better. We forget. Then we forget again. And then we get in trouble again. And then we come in trouble. And then, and then we wonder, why do I keep getting in trouble? Because that's the only time you come to Him. And then if once you learn that lesson, you're supposed to pass it on. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly, see, a lot, abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, 
so also our comfort abounds through Christ. When we say, for it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me, we share in the sufferings. We share in the sufferings. Now, am I scaring most of you now? Because if you're not, I was, whenever I read this, I was scared. That's why I told Pastor Jesus, Pastor Jesus, there's no way I'm going to get into ministry. I saw what happened to people. I saw what happened to Moses. I saw what happened to Abraham, to Paul, through Jesus, all the apostles. I saw what happened to them. I don't want to get into ministry. Is that what your sentiments are too? That's why you're not moving forward with him? That's why you, want, you don't want to get to the next level with God because you're like, oh, man, there's a lot of sufferings, man. What are you, what are you talking about? You know what? You're going to suffer anyway because Jesus said in this life you will have trouble. You will have trouble, right? But he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. God comforts us. He is with us. The Holy Spirit, the God who comforts us, he is right beside us. He's not from afar saying, I feel for you, right? Like, like, like that phone call from a friend from the Philippines and you, you posted something, oh, I have a headache, and your friend from the Philippines will comment, I'm so sorry, I hope I was there, I'll give you medicine. How, what good does that do to you? You need the brother or sisters right next to you, here, drink some Advil, right? That's God, God is always with us, Amen. He is always with us. He's not from afar, watching without care. He is compassionate. He is right with us. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Paul, again, gives, elaborates all the challenges that he has gone through. And he continues to go through for God. Basically, telling all these false prophets... And making the Corinthian church think that, listen, apostleship means this. Following Christ means this. Christianity means this. Now, if you've learned other teachings about what Christianity is about, that it's just all about blessings, that's a wrong doctrine. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, Jesus says. So have you lost friends lately because of your relationship with God or throughout the years? Yeah, me too. Have you lost close relationship with your family because of your commitment that you've made with Christ? Me too. If you haven't, the question is, Maybe, why? What's wrong? Maybe you're not telling them that you are a believer of Christ. Maybe you are keeping quiet and because your relationship with them means more than your relationship with Christ. Maybe that's why. Because once you carry God's name, Jesus said, if, they, if the world hated me, it will hate you. Now, I'm not telling you to walk there and be a jerk. Or be a, be, a, be a rude person. No. What we're saying, the persecution that we're saying is, is when you make that confession that you are a believer of Christ, do you actually get persecuted? Do you actually tell people that you're a believer of Christ? Because once you do, all sorts of things will come out from them. But Jesus says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Do you feel lonely in this world? Do you feel odd at your work? The oddball? People are dropping all the, the, the F-bombs that they're doing at, the, at work, and you're walking away, and then you feel so, oh, man, I'm the boring dude now. That's fine. Because Jesus said, blessed are you. Now, with all the troubles that we spoke about, Romans 8.28, it reads, and we know... Right? We know. And we know. It's in here, right here. You know it. Because sometimes you won't feel it. Because when troubles hit, this will be the first one to give. Is our hearts. 
because no one wants challenges. I don't care. There's nobody ready for any, if if a close one of uh, is a a person who's really close to you dies, you can never be ready for that. There's still going to be a feeling of loss, right? There's still going to be a feeling of loss. You can never be prepared for that. For any trouble for that matter, a sudden car crash, right? You can never be prepared for that. Even though you've watched so many videos or films, you can never be prepared for that. It's always going to be a shock. And the first thing that gives is our emotions. That's why here Paul says, and we know. He calls our mind that in all things, God works. I know we tackled Romans 8.28 many times. But tonight, I want us to see God working. God works for the good. God works. God is the one working. You should, right there, it should be comforting for us. Because God knows everything, and God's work is perfect, right? God is wise. God knows what is good and what is not for us. And we know that in all things, all things, not some, all things, God works for the good of those, the underlined one, who love Him. The question is, do you love Him? Let's read that again with those three highlights, right? And we know that in all things, God works for the, for the good, for the good of those who love Him. Who are those who love him? Jesus said, he who obeys my commands. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Because sometimes the troubles that happen to our lives are because of our disobedience. The disobedience, right? You know, I visited Jonah this, this, this afternoon. Everything hurts for Jonah. Every single move for Jonah hurts. He's trying to get up from his bed. It hurts to turn to his right or to his left. It pains him. Cancer is just eating his, his, his physical body away. He has cancer in, of the, in the bone now. And he has spread. It has spread and it's, it's painful for him. When you see somebody going through that, it's so hard. You know, I can't imagine how Mikey and uh, Tito already goes, um, how they handle it. Because everything for him is painful. Everything for him is painful. And it's a cancer that was caused by we don't know what. But some of us, the things that we do that we know that could cause cancer, we could care less. Because we're not sick yet. God tells us that we are our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? Because the Holy Spirit indwells in all of us. So we need to be taking care of ourselves. I'm not saying anything else. You have the freedom to do whatever you want. But once you, God takes your health because of your disobedience, it will be painful. It will be painful. And I, it... I get scared. And I pray. I pray for Jonas, for comfort for him. Right? And, I, and I think of myself on my diet, on my exercise, on what I've done in the past, on what kind of stupid things I've done, all the vices that I've done before. When God tells, when God decides that it's time for me to pay for those decisions, again, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. The trials that we go through, the testing that we go through, and then when we, when we went above it, we're supposed to be a vessel of encouragement to others. The trials that we go through, God will make it work for the good. Do you guys know of Nick Vujicic? A life without limbs. The man who has no arms and no legs. You've probably seen him, right? Because all of you have Facebook. 
And he has, sometimes you'll see him there. This guy doesn't live a life of complaint. He actually goes around the world trying to encourage and inspire people to go through their challenges in life. He has no arms and no legs, and he has no, he's an inspirational speaker. And here you are sitting there healthy. You're living in America. You have your clothing. You have your shelter. You have a car, and you're complaining, and you're not happy. Because you don't have the car you like. You don't have the house that you wanted. You don't have the wife that you wanted. <laughs> or the husband that you wanted. Right? Because the wife that you wanted didn't want you. was too smart for you. <laughs> right? But here's Nick. You know, goes through, not that Nick, but the other Nick. Here's Nick. Goes through life without the necessary things. When our health goes, that's the only time we understand how it means, how important it is. Correct? If you are healthy tonight, you have all the right to praise God. And you should be praising God. Because there are people who are sick who are not here, who are not here to praise God because they can't. Don texted me. He goes, I'm sorry, Pastor. I want to be there, but I have the flu. Atelier texted, there are people that got sick and wanted to be here, but can't. But there are people that are healthy and don't want to be here. Because <laughs> they were already here the 1st of January. It's asking too much from them. <laughs> what do you mean perfect attendance for January, Pastor? Are you crazy? I need one day off at least every month. There's five Sundays in January. I can take one Sunday off. I still made four. God puts us through these challenges for us to be, to learn from it and to be a blessing. To be a blessing. Jonas, when he went through what he went through and he went back to work, he was the guy that was encouraging those other people that had cancer there. He was the guy that was telling. This was before he got the bone cancer because first he had a tumor in his, in his rectal that was removed. And he became the source of encouragement for those people who was going through the same thing. Jonas was in the hospital bed tonight. Every time I see him, he says, Pastor, I want to be there at church. I want to be there for you guys, with you guys. I want to serve God away from this hospital bed. That's what he said. That's his desire. Well, most of us who are healthy, right, we're healthy, we're strong. We try to run away from serving God. We try to run away because we have other important things to do, Correct? We don't say that to God, but that's what we do when we turn away from Him, when we deny Him. Continue to 2 Corinthians. Trials bring brings maturity. Do you agree that after every challenge that you go through, you're much wiser, right? Hopefully, for some of us. <laughs> some of us, we keep doing the same thing. The only time that you can say you learn from your lesson is if you stop doing it, if you change your ways. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're not learning. But trials bring maturity. Look, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. Paul saying this to the Corinthian church, the things that we go through is for your own benefit. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in, your, in you patient endurance. Have you been praying long enough for someone, or are you praying at all for somebody? And the prayer has not come yet, hasn't been answered yet? Is there a prayer request that you've been praying for over and over again? Is there a challenge that you've been praying for that God still isn't lifting up from you? You know what? Eventually, you're being a patient person and knowing to surrender to God and His sovereignty. When, those, when these things happen, see, it is you it, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. James 1.2.4 says, 
Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Do you agree that you pray more and you are more intimate with God when there's challenges in your life? Because when you're blessed, you forget to pray, right? When you're blessed, you forget to pray. When you're blessed with the trip, you forget to go to church. Right? When you're blessed with a lot of money, you forget to go to church. When you're blessed with everything that you prayed for last month, you forget God. Your prayers are more intimate when you're hurting, when you're struggling, when you're being challenged, when something important or someone important is being taken away from you. Your prayers and your intimacy is more. That's why trials bring maturity. Because hopefully from those things you learn, right? You, you would know who God is, the God that took you away from that trouble. Has anybody here been stoned? Paul was stoned. There was a, Christ, there are a, a Christian family in a, in a country where, in a city where there's a lot of Buddhists majority of them were Buddhist. The Buddhist priests found out that this family turned Christian. They were called to a meeting. This is a true story. They were called to a meeting. And the priest, the Buddhist priest, asked the father, is this your decision? Are you turning away from our faith and now surrendering to your Christ? The father says, now that I know Christ, I cannot turn away from him. Yes, this is my decision. The Buddhist priest says, then you are no longer my responsibility. The father at that time didn't know what he meant. They went home. The family went home to their house. Minutes later after they got home, a truck, a construction truck came in front of their house and dumped a lot, a bunch of trucks, uh, a truckload of rocks. Family still didn't know what was going to happen. And then the whole town came and start throwing rocks at their house. Because of their faith. His kids were hurt. He was hurt. But he, because of that trial, gave that testimony to what? When I heard it, I got encouraged. I got encouraged to continue my walk with the Lord because up to now, nobody's throwing rocks at me yet. In this country, we can still praise and worship God here. The Chinese uh, people before, when they became Christians, they have to travel four hours on foot. Pastor Peter Tanchi from CCF was sharing this on their anniversary message. Four hours of walking to go to church because they wanted to fellowship with other believers in a cave because they want to worship God for His goodness. Four hours there, and then one hour of fellowship. Maybe they were Southern Baptist, I don't know. And then they walked another four hours to go home. Even when it snows, they would walk on foot. But us here, us here, we're so comfortable here. We have cars, we have four by fours, we have gas, <laughs> but we have no time. We have no time. We drag ourselves to church. Some. Okay. If it's not you, then I'm not talking about you. My brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Because the goal for the Christian is to mature spiritually. Amen? You are not supposed to stay a spiritual baby. We are supposed to mature so that we can be a blessing to others. So that with our lives on how consistent our lives is, consistent and, and co connected with the message that we share, people will be attracted to Christ because of how we live, because how we conduct ourselves. Because they will see that it's consistent. Whatever he's saying, he's living it. 
Most of us, we, we, we live a contra, you know, our lives are contradictory to the message that we say. The Christ that we carry is different. Mahatma Gandhi, he says, I love your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Because he read the Bible and he, he said, I like, I like this Jesus guy. He goes to a Christian church in India. Shempre, of course, he's poor. He looks poor. I, I said, Shempre. Shempre, he looks poor. <laughs> he looked poor. So the Christians there, they made him sit in the back. And in India, there were, and Gandhi was already having problems with, the, with that in their nation about the rich and the poor, the segregation between them. And now here in the Christian church, it's the same thing. So he goes, what's the difference? Believer, what is your difference from the world? What is your difference from the world? We should ask these hard questions. We are still in the world, but we are not to be of the world. And you know how we get to differ ourselves is when we go through trials. When we go through trials, how do you handle your trials? Do you handle it with God's power that is within you, with the peace that He has given you? Do you handle it with that faith and that hope that is on Jesus? Do you handle it that way? Do you rely and rest on God that despite the challenges that you're facing, that you know no one can help you because for man this is impossible? That's Jonas. The doctors gave him... Three to six. Three to six months. He was given three to six months. But he's still holding on to God. Because he has nothing else. Right? And that's the best. It says here, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Paul knew it was so bad that he's saying that he almost died. The challenge that he went through, the challenges that he went through, was it was like a life or death situation. But so look at this. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. And I shared this to Jonah, because I told him, hey, you know, for for man, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Right? But if, but if God takes him, but if God takes him, just like when God healed the paralyzed man, what did God say first? Son, your sins are forgiven. That was the first thing that God did. It's the same thing with Jonas. Jonas, because of his, his physical ailment, Turned his life to Christ months ago. Months ago. He finally surrendered his life to Christ. He finally surrendered his life to Christ. Because when his strength failed him, that's when he finally surrendered to Christ. And he said to me two weeks ago, he said, you can't play around with God. He said, tell people, pastor, they can't play around with God. Because I did. Are we playing around with God? Sometimes we do, because He keeps taking us away from the trouble, and then we do it again, and He takes us away from the trouble. You know, sometimes it could be too late. The next time around might be too late for you. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ, tonight, today is the day. The Bible says today is the day. Because we don't know. I told him, hey, you have three to six months. At least you know, because I don't know if I have tomorrow. Do is everybody here guaranteed tomorrow? No one here is guaranteed tomorrow. No one here is guaranteed tomorrow. North Korea dude punches that, presses that button. Our clock is ticking. Right? No one is guaranteed tomorrow. But because of our trials, we get stronger. We get to know who God is. There's going to be a process there. When we, learn, when we learn something new about God, we have to unlearn the old things too. Because learning consists of unlearning as well. If there were ways that you approach before, if you approach problems in a different way, and now God is still giving you 
the same problems, and now you're like, all right, Lord, I'm going to approach this how you want me to approach it, which is to rely on you completely, then you have to unlearn the things that you used to do or you used to think that should work or helps you. If it was alcohol for some of us here, if it was gambling for most of us here, if it were shopping for most of the women here, you know, it's now it's different. You rely on God, on how he's going to solve and take you out of that trouble. Because it's for the benefit of people. And whose power are we resting on? Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And then Paul said in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It has to be Christ in us, right? The Holy Spirit in us, we have to, our hearts need to be connected with Him. And we need to be relying on Him, not on ourselves, not what we can do. We need to be relying on God. Jonas is rested on God's will. He's not giving up. The doctors told him it's, there's no point to do chemo. He said, I'm still going to do chemo because this is God's call. That's what he said. For us, when we do things for God, we have to make sure that we're tapping in to the Holy Spirit that's in us. You cannot resist that temptation on your own. You cannot get over that struggle on your own. You have to be connected with God, with Christ. And you have to ask Him sincerely. Second Corinthians 1.10 For he, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and He will deliver us again. Paul's hope is always, it's always on God. Not even on himself. It was always on God. Paul went through a lot of trials. A lot of hardships. Both emotional and physical. Paul went through all of them. And he always looks on God to get him through it. Time and time and time again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Is your hope on Jesus? I guess not. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Is your hope on Jesus? Amen. <laughs> if your hope is on Jesus, then your faith is strong, right? Because our faith is connected on our hope. And our, if our hope is, is on Jesus, then our faith will get, see us through, right? Because Jesus will see us through. Amen? Time and time and time again, whatever problem that is, whatever problem that is, rest it, lift it up to Him. Rest that He will know that He will do it, that He will do the right thing. Our hope is in Jesus, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Paul never changes his message. All the epistles that he has written are all connected. Different audiences, but the same message. Our hope is on Jesus. Rest on Jesus. Rely on Jesus. On His grace and His mercy. Rest on His power. Rely on His power. Trust His love. Here, we pray for help and help by praying. I hope as you see the empty chairs of, and you see the, the people that are not here, that usually are here, I hope that drives you to prayer. That moves you to pray for them because they are sick and they need your prayer. I hope that we will all be prayerful believers. 
Because praying is recognizing that we need God. Amen? And you know that trials, when we're praying, when we're going through trials and when we pray, we recognize that our human strength is not enough. And it's the ideal opportunity for God to display His divine power when we're praying and we're going through these trials. It's a great opportunity for us to witness that. So be in prayer. Pray for everybody. As you help us by prayers, Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, recognizing and knowing that some of them, maybe not all of them, were praying for Paul and Timothy. And he says, he recognizes it. He says, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. The, the prayer meetings that happened in the Corinthian church, Paul is saying, thank you for your prayers. Tell them it was answered. Encourage them. When we're praying on Wednesday nights, we ask, does anybody have any prayer requests or answered prayers? And we hear the answered prayers and we, it, it excites us. It drives us to pray again. It motivates us. It, it makes us praise God, knowing that He heard our prayers. Brother Rene, you know, one of your requests was for a ba another baby. Praise God, He gave you another baby. Amen? Right? Amen. Some, some of you requested for a day on Sundays. And some of them, you got it. Some of you, when you got it, you forgot that you got it. You forgot that Sunday was church time. <laughs> you changed your schedule <laughs> accordingly, right? So, but prayers help. If you need help, again, this church is a family. If you need help, please reach out and let us know what prayers you need so we can lift you up. We want that. And hopefully, some of you will be moved by the Holy Spirit to join us to be a prayer warrior every Wednesday too. But you can all be at your cozy house and cozy bed and be praying for everybody anyway. Always be in prayer for the many. Because we want prayers for all the saints. Ephesians 6, 18, never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit. Stay alert and keep praying for God's people. Keep Praying for God's people. Stay alert. And then Matthew, when Jesus said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And then John 16, 7, Jesus said, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Because you won't be asking anything that is wrong. Because the first thing there, if you remain in Jesus and His words are in you, everything that you'll be asking for in your prayers will be for Him and about Him. Nothing selfish will come out. Delight in the Lord with all your heart and He will give you the desires of... Delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. But it has to be delighting in the Lord first. Because once you fall in love completely and totally to God, everything that you would want in your life, for your life, is for Him. Have you reached that point? If not, you would want to. Trust me. Paul went through it. And Paul went through these trials and he could care less. He was scared, but he knew who called him. He knew who called him. Do you know who called you? Do you know who has you? Do you know whose name you're carrying? When Jesus was asked about paying taxes, right? Jesus said, whose image is carved? In the denarius. They said Caesar. And then Jesus said, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And to the Lord's Lord. Whose image is on you? And if God's image is on you, then you need to give all about you to Him. Amen? 
You need to. That's what he said. And the Lord's, the Lord's, right? Rabbi Zacharias said there should have been a follow-up question. The question should have been, whose image is on you? So we need to be praying. We need to be completely surrendered to God. We need to recognize that we can't play around with Him. We need to take Him seriously. And the trials that we're going through, we're going through because God has a purpose in it. And that if we have gone through these challenges and we saw how God worked in our lives from it, we need to be encouraging others who are going through the same thing. We can't keep the blessings to ourselves. You can't hoard the blessings. You have to give. Like the manna, right? Jesus said, gather what you need. God said, gather what you need for the day. But some of them were stubborn they gathered extra, and then what? It got, it got it was rotten, right? There was there was maggots and everything else. It was unedible. Do you trust God? Some of those guys didn't trust God that God will provide the next day. Or do you want quail instead? Because manna is just too simple. You want now you want quail. God gave that. He said, I will give you all the meat until it comes out of your ears. Sometimes when we keep asking for the wrong thing, sometimes God will teach us the lesson. Oh, you think you want that boyfriend? Okay. You want to force this issue? Okay, I'll see you in three months. Right? And then we wonder why. Why, Lord? Why did this? Well, I told you not to yoke with unbelievers. But you forced it. Now he's dragging you down with him. Or she's dragging you down with him. Simple things that are easily, can be easily avoided, we do it to ourselves. And then we ask him, why, Lord? But we all know the answer. Because you wanted it. Because you have the free will. You have the free will to obey me or not. So, hopefully, next week's message will be lighter. (laughs) No. We tell the truth here, whether we like it or not. We prepare. I was reading that Ezra earlier. I was preparing my heart for this. Because as... From my experience, when I go through a message, I either I go through the challenge first or I'll go through after. Then I'll experience whatever I said here. So it, it shakes me to the core. But I can't, I can't stay away from it. I have to give the truth. This is the truth. God gives us challenges in order for us to grow. And this is an opportunity for us to be a blessing to others too. And to be praying for people. We need to be praying for each other. Look at our church. A lot of people are sick. There's prayers needed there. But Jesus said, God said, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. So we praise God. Amen? Amen. Please join me in the word of prayer. I think I'm done. Lord, we thank you for your message tonight. Father God, however hard it is, Lord, I pray. I pray, Father, that we receive it wholeheartedly. Maybe it might not make sense to us now, Lord God, or not be able to swallow it and accept it. Father, I pray for the wisdom that we need. I pray that you will be the one to give clarity. I pray you be the one to give conviction. I pray you be the one to give godly sorrow to your people, Lord God, in order for us not to do it again, in order for us not to do it, in order for us to do it, whatever it is that you have revealed to us tonight. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have failed time and time again. Forgive us, Lord, when we rely on ourselves and our strength. Forgive us, Father. 
when we don't trust you. Forgive us, Father, when our faith fails. Lord, do remind us that all things you are working in, all things for those who love you. And I pray that our love relationship will improve, Lord God. I pray that our obedience, Father, will be better. I pray that we obey. I pray for healing again for everybody who is sick. I pray for Jonas's healing. I pray for peace in his heart and in his mind. I pray for the family for comfort for them, Lord God. I pray for the believers here, Lord God, that they will visit him, give encouragement. I will pray for him and for them. I pray for healing for those who are uh, not here because of the flu. Lord, give them the strength. And I pray that you speak to them, Lord God, through this challenge. As you said in your word. Guide us for the rest of the week, Lord God. Protect us from any harm or danger. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was a message from First International. You can access more by visiting our Facebook page, facebook.com slash FICF Reno.